The views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show do not necessarily reflect those of Take 12 Radio, KHLT Recovery Broadcasting, or our affiliates. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here are your co-hosts, Tony Mesbarger and the Monty Man. Well, greetings, recovery family. How the heck are you today? Welcome. Welcome to another broadcast here at Take12Radio.com on your internet dial, broadcasting to you from the outskirts of beautiful downtown Albany, Oregon, where uh, the sun is shining many more days out of the year than what uh, rumor has it about Oregon. Uh, but we do get our share of, of, of rain. It's very green up here. And uh, we have Tony Mesbarger on the phone with us uh, once again. But he's talking to us from Texas. Uh, Tony, is it nice and toasty there today? Actually, we had a little bit of a cool, cool front blow through here, so it's, uh, it's a little bit gray here today, but, uh, you know, we're sitting at uh, probably around 60 degrees, something like that, with, uh, with little cloudy skies, but uh, it's always beautiful here. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, finishing up finishing up winter. Yeah, a lo- I have a lot of friends that want me to move to Texas, Tony. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just... Uh... <laughs> I don't know if I can handle the heat. There's enough land down here. (laughs) That's for sure. Well, well, folks, uh, this is the first time you've joined us. Uh, This is uh, uh, part four of a four-part series workshop entitled Understanding Intervention. And uh, Tony is a uh, admissions consultant for Benchmark Recovery Center, formerly known as the Mark Houston Center. Uh, the website for uh, that uh, treatment facility is benchmarkcenter.com. And you can follow the links here at Take 12 Radio, also uh, on our YouTube uh, page. And uh, Tony has been gracious enough to uh, commit this time to us to do these four workshops uh, and we call these workshops because these are these are more than just an interview with somebody sharing their experience, strength, and hope. You know, or 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 listening to a circuit speaker, or listening to recovery music. These are something that I would encourage you. Uh, you know, if you know anybody that uh, is in need of an intervention, if you know family members that are wondering about intervention, what interventions are, what they aren't. Uh, what takes place, uh, the different kinds. Uh, we're going to be talking about transport and treatment uh, during uh, part four here. Um, but this is a really good opportunity to take this workshop and sit down uh, with folks and let them listen to this uh, or or do what they used to do in the old days in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, they would leave a big book uh, with someone on the first approach, on the first visit. Uh, and, and so uh, y- you can make copies. You can burn copies of this. You just click on the download MP3 link uh, on this page, and you can uh, burn copies of this and, and, and maybe leave it at somebody's house. Uh, but I encourage you to do that. And uh, it, it is so uh, – it, it is such an honor to have Tony with us. And, Tony, I, 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 I'm – I'm blessed, and like you said off the air, you know we're gonna we're gonna keep in close contact. But this has been um, a real eye opener for me, and I know for many of our listeners. And I just wanted to say that um, already we have somebody from the Oregon area uh, that is uh, in contact with uh, one of our board members 
uh, Matt Brown, who is the CEO of Freedom Interventions out mm-hmm. of McMinnville, Oregon. And uh, because of this workshop, uh, they are now working on uh, getting um, an individual that I, I used to be his sponsor years ago. And he's just a wow. me- he's just a mess. This guy is just a mess. And um, he, he really is in need of an, of an intervention. It's never been done before with him. And um, he's going to die if if something drastic doesn't happen. And but you got a good interventionist there, Monty, for sure. Yeah, Matt is Matt is, is a great guy. So of course I I'm partial to uh, to to you know benchmark and origins and burning tree and stuff like that. So I'm like, let's block. It'd be great if we get him into benchmark. It'd be awesome. Uh, but anyway, uh, so this is part four. This is the last of uh, our four. Now, folks, you can uh, access this on our website under workshops uh, at take12radio.com. This will be up indefinitely, and uh, maybe at some point we'll we'll update it and and talk some more about this kind of thing. Uh, But this is available for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, uh, okay, Tony, so our first workshop was understanding intervention. What is intervention? Our second workshop was getting the family on board, family, loved ones, employers, friends, uh, on the same page and and what that uh, entailed. And then third was face-to-face, working with family members face-to-face, the person we're intervening on uh, face-to-face and how that works. And now we've we've moved into transport and treatment. Now, this is where listeners, uh, the individual that is being intervened on, um, we've come to a place where uh, it, it, it has we're ready to to take the next step. We're going from the intervention to uh, either a vehicle, a plane, sometimes, uh, in many cases, hundreds of miles away from where the intervention took place. Right, Tony? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, matter of fact, most of the time it is. There's going to be travel involved right. uh, in, the, in the transport. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's times where in your, some of your larger metropolitan areas where, you know, the treatment center may, may not be too far, so it's a car drive or something like that. But most of the time it's going to be a plane uh, a car drive into uh, into an airport and then uh, and transport from from the airport. Is, is it common for the uh, interventionist that has facilitated the intervention uh, to be the one that transports, or is it somebody else? No, I I, I, I totally uh, I'm you know I'm opposed to family members. Of course, I am. I mean, uh, I I think it, it needs to be the the interventionist. That's what I do. Uh, all the way to handoff. I mean, they need to see it all the way through. I need to see it all the way through and communicate with the family along the way. Uh, What's going on, keep them comforted at home, you know, that that their loved one is moving forward and and transported all the way through the process to the detox or to the treatment center where you do a clean handoff. Do you you find that there is uh, usually by the end of the uh, initial intervention that there is kind of a, a comforting rapport that has been built between the interventionist and the one being intervened on. It can go a couple of ways. You can be the enemy, or you can be, <laughs> you know, like the the, the, guy, the guy that you know uh, came in on a white horse, right? Uh, <laughs> but most of the time, you know, it's it's kind of in between. But you know, when you get one that's, uh, I had one up in Philadelphia that I did several years back. Uh, I actually did this one with Ben Levinson, 
and uh, we got to the airport, and he, he was, you know, he wasn't a happy camper at all. And, and of course, our flight got canceled, and and uh, you know, so we were we, we were together in his hometown, uh, Philadelphia, for you know, twelve hours before we finally caught a flight out uh, back down here to Texas. And uh, you know, he wasn't a happy camper. There was very very few words said. Um, but, you know, I kept a good eye on him and communi- communicated with the family what was going on. And, of course, then I've had, you know, guys that are just real talkative and, you know, they're, they're, they're happy that somebody did something. You know, you get that, that uh, the alcoholic or addict connection with them, you know, and that's, sure. the, that's the main thing is you got that connection with them and you know where they're at and what they're, what they're feeling at, the, at that moment in time and what's going on. And so a lot of times, you know, they'll open up to you. And by the way, when, when they do open up to you, they're giving you so much information. I mean, there's so much background information that, are, that, uh, that the individual will give you that they will not disclose in front of the family. Sure. Families only know about 10% of it, if that much. So, you know, a lot of times on those transport, on these transports, well, I'll tell you what, it'll open up the door for, so you can hand the treatment, to, uh, the treatment team some real good information by the time you get there. Including to include what what all they're doing because if there's, you know, if it's, if it's somebody that's addicted to opiates or or benzos or something like that, I mean they're going to need a detox. So a lot of times you don't know what's going on until you get on the ground, and sure. so you've got to communicate that real quickly with the with the uh, treatment center so that they have a protocol in place for them when they get there. Uh, so that's that's important stuff. But uh, most of them are most of them are relieved. Uh, you know that, that's been my experience. Most of them are relieved, and and uh, very few are real oppositional and, you know, kicking around, whatever. Uh, okay, so in dealing with somebody who's a minor versus a, a, a legal adult, uh, is the transport different? Yeah, in that there, I would I would recommend, a, a, you know, a family member come along uh, in okay. that case there. Yeah, I really, I really recommend that the parents come or, you know, one of the, uh, one of the parents come at least. Uh, you know, for liability purposes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and sure. do, do, do you ever have to strong arm anybody? No, you know, I've, I've chased people around, you know. <laughs> I've been trying to make that last drug deal, you know, before they go. Uh, yeah. You know, I had a guy one time up in the Dallas area that just, they kept squeezing outside and I had to keep, you know, once you get once you get into the intervention, I mean, you're, you're glued. Uh, you don't want them running off or, or, you know, making deals like in this case here. I mean, this guy was all over the board. And uh, thank God I had another individual with me that was able to keep the family, at, you know, in bay while I, I followed this guy around because he agreed to go to treatment. And then he started moving outside, and then he moved to the alley, and I knew what he was doing. He was waiting for somebody to come and give him, some, uh, give him something. And, of course, we were able, I was able to abort that and, and get him back in. But yeah, I've never had anybody that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, come fist to with or right. that. Right. I'm also six foot one and played linebacker, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 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 so it is not that you have to be a transport bouncer, then you know. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 you, you don't really, you don't, you know. There's, yeah. there's, there's not much to worry about, uh, you know, as far as that goes. I mean, they, you know, you you win their trust pretty quick. That look, you know, I'm I'm not your enemy. Right. Your friend, and uh, we're, we're going to get you down here, and you know start moving you down this path of wellness. And sometimes they'll reflect back on what happened in the intervention itself. You know, a lot of times they will. Like, you know, and I'll, I'll ask them questions like, well, what do you think was most powerful? But I have just, I don't know, there's a way of just changing the channel on these guys, you know. You can move into something that you can find, pretty much figure out what they like to talk about, you know, if they're talkative, and, and talk about that. 
Sometimes there's questions, obviously, about where they're going. Do you do you find that 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 men are more talkative during the transport than women, or the other way around? Uh, really, I don't. Nah, you know, both ways. Both I mean, ways, yeah. It's, it's equivalent. I mean, you know, you get some some. Uh, well, it also depends on the substance too. You know, yeah. you got a, you got a guy that's transporting a woman or a man that's transporting, and they've been doing loads of, let's say, heroin, mm-hmm. and they don't have their drug and no choice with them. I, of course, I go, you know, I'll explain that at some other point. But they have, a, well, you'll use drug of choice for for this radio show. But they have, a, they have their drug. Of cho- they don't have their drug of choice. They're not going to be happy campers, and they're right. t- typically going to start getting sick on you during the transport. So a lot of times, if there's, you know, if they have a prescription of Suboxone or something like that. You know, it has to be prescribed, of course, and you give them a couple of suboxones for the trip. But they're not going to be real talkative. Uh, you know, you're, met, you're, you're stimulant addicts, methamphetamine addicts, cocaine addicts, they're, they're going to want to burn it up. They're going to tell you about everything. Yeah, yeah, uh, you bet, you bet. <laughs> and they'll wear you out. Uh, um, you know, we, we know that, that uh, and some people still do this, but particularly in the Founders Day of the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous Fellowship, um Many times, uh, uh, these guys that would would work with these uh, late stage alcoholics, they would have you know plastic lining in their back seats uh, of their cars. They would bring with them uh, a flask of of whiskey or or some form mm-hmm. of alcohol. Uh, some people don't understand that. They think, well, how could you do that? You're trying to get them off the stuff. But I mean, there are some cases where. Depending on how sick the person is, you could end up killing them if you don't medicate them before they get to detox. Is that true? It is. It is. Yeah. And that's, you have to be very aware of that. An opiate addict won't die. I mean, they'll feel like they're going to die. Right. They won't die on you. But if somebody's taken, you know, uh, Xanax or Valium or Clonopin or something along those lines, uh, they definitely need to, to have something in their system. And then, of course, an alcoholic, you have to keep them what I call lubed. Uh, you know, a lot of times I'll, uh, I'll I'll be talking to parents. There wasn't an intervention involved per se, but you know, I work them work with the family, and I'll, I'll tell them so. Make sure that they have alcohol in before they get in the plane. They just hit the scene. They're like, well, you're a treatment center advocating, or you're a rehab, yeah. uh, you know, advocating alcohol. I'm like, you have to keep some sort of lubrication in them, or they could seize on an airplane, have a lot of complications. So make sure that they they have drink. But uh, you know, one of the, the, the things is definitely when you're transporting. I always you know, I allow that, but I keep a real close eye on consumption. I mean, we're not talking about getting uh, you know hammered before they go, right. to, go to treatment. That's not the that's not the proper way to do this. But you do want to keep a certain amount of alcohol in them. I do not carry any pills with me, uh, Xanax or anything like that. That's all done pre-intervention. Uh, sure. You know, and if they have something around, then uh, I'll allow them to bring it with them as, if it's a prescription. If it's not, then I, I'll have them take it before we get on a plane, not carrying any, uh, you know, substances in their pockets and stuff like that. Right. So, uh, you know, so they don't get in trouble. But, yes, and I will tell you, you know, it's 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 so important with the alcoholic, though, uh, above all. Now, the re- here's another reason for transport, too, because if you put a alcoholic, you put an alcoholic, uh, you know, in an airport, with money in their pocket, they're going to get stuck at some airport bar. <laughs> uh, I've done enough transport. I've done enough. I've done transports and sitting at airports watching luggage go around the carousel, mm-hmm. uh, and while they're up there drinking their, you know, drinking their their, their lives away, uh, you know. So it's real important to keep an eye on them and 
and uh, you know, not let them get too into- intoxicated, and, and, and more importantly, have somebody that's with them, so that they're not uh, so that they're not on their own up there making connections and everything else. So, so, so is it common to transport uh, uh, the interventionist is transporting the the uh, the the person being intervened on with more than one person? I mean, it's not just one interventionist traveling with with the guy or gal. Oh uh, yeah, yes. You know, it, it it depends. Again, you know, you you may have a, a a transporter alone where you do the intervention, you hand off to somebody who's going to do the okay. transport alone, or you know, maybe the uh, you know maybe it does take a couple of people. I've not been involved in anything that's taken a couple of people. Um, you know, t- taken two. I mostly I've, I've every everyone I've ever done, I've transported myself. Okay. Uh, now I do know some people that have done that. Uh, you know, they'll do that for safety purposes. Uh, you know, if they have somebody that they really feel like is a threat to, you know, harm them or something along those lines. But, uh, you know, that's all this is, again, we're going back to a previous show about pre-intervention work. You pretty much know a pretty good idea what you have, yeah. what, you're, what you're walking into and who you have. And, and how, do, how do airports uh, deal with this? I mean, are they aware at all uh it, that the person may be under the influence, or do you ever have any problems with that? Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, and you know, that's where you know you, you're very professional. You go up to TSA, you tell them exactly what's going on. Sometimes you have letters from the treatment center. Yeah. Obviously, you'll have the intervention letters and whatnot, and you'll let them know. And they'll take up to some special security a lot of times into a room mm-hmm. uh, and check them out. Now, I had one guy one time that. Uh, that had done a, a load of heroin before, uh, you know, right as we got to the airport and didn't even know he had it on him, but he did it. And by the time we, we were fixing to go through the, uh, we were going to go through security, of course, he was nodding out and everything else. So, sure. you know, I put I pulled him back and, and I wheeled him in a wheelchair and just said, look, you know, he's, he's not doing good. I'm getting him to treatment. So, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways, but the most, impo- the most, the best rule of thumb is just be honest with TSA. They understand that this takes place. It's very common. Just you got to make sure that you, uh, you you tell them that we're willing to go through extra extra security, whatever we got to go. And then I'm going to chaperone. And I'll be with this individual. Do, do, I've had you know you get them on a flight, and then oh my goodness, it can be that's a little tricky too. <laughs> uh, once you get them on a flight, because now now they they're sitting in a seat, wanting to wanting to tear it up, and you got to right kind of be a governor for them, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So 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 do you. Do you search them before you transport? No, you know I, I've ne- you know I, I've never done a search. You know where we have them pull their you know pockets out and stuff like that. Right. You know, you, usually that's why I like doing them in a you know in a neutral place where they're not you know around some stuff that's hidden or whatever. And you stay on them real close while they're packing. You're watching everything. Listen, you're going to miss. I mean, there's just there's no way that yeah. you can you know you can strip a guy down and say okay you know get your clothes back on. I mean, you got to treat him with respect and dignity. And sure. So, you know, those times where they're you know they're gonna they're gonna slip by you. Uh, I mean, there's just no way to really to make sure that that completely happens. But you know, it's a very rare thing when you jump a plane and you got some guy that's going back and forth to the bathroom doing heroin. I mean, that's. I've not, uh, right. I've not experienced that one. You know, I'm sure some people have, but I've not experienced. Sure, it. most of them, most of them are, are real willing, you know, to, to just go ahead and put it down and come on with us. So, what about what about the person that changes their mind once you get to the <laughs> treatment facility? Um, uh, are they on their own, or do you give them a plane ticket back? What happens? Uh, no. 
Well, you know, that again, you go back to the pre-intervention work, and if, you, if you're good enough, I mean, you can talk them out of the trees. Uh, you get them, you get them, uh, you get them over to, well, you know, once they've gotten the treatment center, of course, that's their responsibility. That's another thing the Benchmark Recovery Center does real, real well, uh-huh. is, you know, again, it's one thing to get them, it's another to keep them. And so sure. there's, a, uh, there's a way to land somebody, what we call random, into the treatment center. Now, pre, pre-treatment, you know, if you got somebody that's opposition, all of a sudden they, you know, they raised me, I'm not going to do this. Uh, then, of course, you fall back to just talking them out of trees. I call it talking them out of trees. Just be real calm with them and, and explain to look all the boundaries that were set in that intervention are real. If you call your mom right now, she's not going to answer. Of course, by then, I've already picked up on it, and I've already been in touch via text or whatever, uh, you know, with the family members letting them know what's going on. So then the transport's real important to stay in touch with the family. That's why. Uh, you know, and then, you know, yeah, you'll get, you'll get a guy that'll stand up and, and I'll just tell him, look, just get in there, you know, give it a try, do, you know, and, and you get them in there. And then, of course, right. uh, once you've handed them off, then the treatment center, you know, it's their job to keep them. Uh, of course, they're loaded with information, the front end, with, uh, a, a lot of information on this individual. I mean, that's what, that's what we do. That's why, like working with Matt, Matt and I work hand in glove. Um, you know, Matt will be doing the intervention. I'll be doing the admissions work, and of course, I'm, he's communicating constantly in the background with me on what's going on. And then, of course, it's a clean handoff. So, you know, I work real well with the interve- interventionists out there that are doing the interventions because I know what they're up against and what they're doing. Sure, sure, sure. Well, uh, this this is fascinating stuff to me uh, because uh, many people that are listening right now, uh, until this workshop, many of them perhaps have only seen what we see on television, you know, which is like oh, yeah. we've talked about before. It's just a very small piece. And you see the, you see the end result of a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. It, you really, really, really do. Um, okay. So we're, we're going to, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, let's talk about treatment placement. Let's talk about, um, uh, uh, you know, let's tell the listeners, what kind of treatment for what kind of situation? I, I mean, this is really specialized stuff, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Placement is important. All right, folks, uh, don't go away. Uh, more when we come back, back with uh, Tony Mesbarger of Benchmark uh, Recovery Center. Benchmarkcenter.com is the website. We'll be right back. Whether you have completed alcohol treatment or drug rehab multiple times, or have never been to any type of structured treatment program, the Benchmark Recovery Center offers a full continuum of care for addiction recovery. This is the Monty Man from Take 12 Recovery Radio. And may I recommend to you Benchmark Recovery Center. They offer an extended care recovery program for adult men and women struggling with alcoholism and drug addiction. Located east of Austin, Texas, on 70 acres, the gender-specific 90-day residential program focuses on the 12 steps, life skills, spirituality, and fitness. After completing the residential phase, residents transition into company-owned sober living and 12 months of aftercare monitoring. If you're ready to learn how to live a sober, responsible, committed life full of promise, Benchmark is here for you. To speak with an admission specialist, call 866-905-4550 or visit the website at benchmarkcenter.com. Discover a life full of permanent sobriety with Benchmark Recovery Center. 
All right, welcome back. And, uh, of course, that website is BenchmarkCenter.com. This is a four-part educational workshop on the topic of drug and alcohol intervention sponsored by Benchmark Recovery Center. And uh, our guest, of course, is Tony Messbarger. He is a admissions consultant for Benchmark. I've been with them for a very long time. Uh, uh, Tony, how long have you been with Benchmark? Well, you know, I, I was, uh, it used to be called Mark Houston Recovery, and of course right. we opened it up, uh, we opened it up in June of 06, 2006, and of course we had a lot of, we, we did about six, six months worth of work before we even opened up the doors, before we even had property. Uh, we were designing the program itself, so really if you're looking at it, it really goes back to uh, probably late 2005, and then I was with the Mark all the way through 2008. Uh, you know, came uh, came out of there and worked, worked for Ben Ben Levinson in Origins, helped them open that place up, and then of course came back after a couple of years down there. Came back and uh, and I've been with Benchmark now another almost three, I guess almost three years now. So this is a uh, uh, this is this is home, uh, you know, yeah. and, and so I uh, I love it. I was doing the admissions for 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 uh, Origins and then for. I guess a couple of years there, I, I did remote admissions. So I've done a little bit of everything. <laughs> Built them. Um, you have to tear one down. Yeah, yeah, I I, I understand. Uh, They're all prospering. Yeah, excuse me? They're all prospering. They're all prospering, yeah, yeah. And, and there are, and, and, and I want to say this as kindly as I can, um, but but I think it's very important. The fact is, the truth of the matter is, there are treatment centers that are very qualified, that treat the whole individual, that understand the problem and the solution, and then there are treatment facilities that simply don't get it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I I I I don't I I don't want to you know sound like I am poo pooing. Uh, anybody, but I've got to tell you when when it comes to this, so this is life and death, and we can waste an enormous amount of valuable time uh, by uh, introducing somebody to uh, a treatment facility that is not uh, really doing the person any justice, and, and it's very frustrating. And so, I believe. And that's why I'm such a big advocate for treating the whole individual. Uh, I I believe that we have to be very, very careful uh, where we place people when it comes to saving their lives. Um, Benchmark is one of these places that does it right. Origins is another. And uh, the the treating the whole individual, what are some of the, the pieces that are involved with that, Tony? Well, you know, in the exploration of placement, you know, one of the things that has to happen for sure is you, you look at different factors. Uh, has this person, you know, what, what's their background, obviously? Is it yeah. psychological issues? Has they been diagnosed anything, you know, bipolar, depressed, depression, man <coughs> depressive, whatever kind of a disorder, which is very common, by the way, dual diagnosis. Sure. And then, of course, uh, you know, if they have any history of, of, of violence or anything like that, you know, you'll know all, you know, you get all that information. And, of course, have they ever had a treatment episode? Have they ever been to treatment? You know, it's interesting is a lot of people will will claim treatment, uh, detox as a treatment, 
and they think they've got <laughs> yeah. treatment where they've gone for seven days and dried out. Uh, they don't realize that that's not that's not a real treatment episode itself. And then, of course, uh, you know, I, I just you know, and I will I, mean, I will tell you, I do not believe in IOPs. Um, I just you know, not for the not not for the, the the person that's being called in for an intervention. Forget about it. I mean, if they're being called for an intervention, the IOP is not even on the table. And, and that's for um, the listeners' sake. Yeah. That, that's that, that's in, intensive outpatient, correct? Correct. And no, I, I mean, I, let me rephrase that. It's not that I don't believe in it. It's that there's yeah. a population. It's a very small population that can have success in in, in an outpatient setting. Uh, you know, it might be a housewife that has just started to you know drink and. You know, she hasn't gotten too bad, and, you know, maybe a, a, there's an executive or somebody along those lines. But it, it generally, if an interventionist has been called, then we're past that point. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. But place, placement is very important. I mean, you've got to take a lot of factors in. You've got to take age, gender. Uh, you've got to take a lot of a lot of those type, type of things into consideration before you start recommending, uh, you know, different places to go. I believe, you know, I really do in long term. I mean, it's proven. The longer, yep. the better. Uh, you know, and, and so I, I come from the only thing that I really know is long term, uh, nine year above. And, uh, you know, it takes every bit of that. I mean, the name of the game is structure and accountability, and the longer you can do that without institutionalizing the individual. Uh, you know, you want to you have a nice phased approach, much like Benchmark, uh, Benchmark Recovery Center has. Uh, where you take them through an intensive, you know, three-month program, uh, three to four-month program, and then you you transition them into transitional living, where it's a segue back out, uh, you know, where they they transition back out with a high level of structure around them, where they can still have life coming at them, but they still have the high level of accountability uh, around them and people that can support them through these you know life events that are coming at them, such as finding work and you know family of origin issues and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, if you've got a guy, you know, a lot of times you'll get, uh, you know, people, it depends on insurance and their, and their ability to pay privately, too. Because if you've got somebody that's completely insurance dependent, then, of course, you're, you're going to have to start looking at the 30 to 45, upwards of 60-day uh, treatment center that will allow that if they're insurance dependent. In other words, they don't have the ability to pay out of pocket. Right. And, and in, in, insurance also matters. It's, you know, what kind of insurance they have. Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, you know, uh, Humana, uh, United Health, whatever they have, that's really important to know right up front whether they're going to a private pay model or not because the insurance will help. Uh, in Benchmark's case, of course, we don't, we, 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 we've never taken insurance, and there's a reason why. One, two, a couple of reasons why. One is we don't want the insurance companies dictating to us how long we're going to treat this individual. That's right. They're notorious for kicking people to the curb, you know, before they're ever treated. And two, we want we don't want them dictating to us what our curriculum is going to look like, uh, and that's what they do. They they want they want to yeah. tell you so many hours of this or so many hours of that. None of it's got to do with getting sober. So uh, we we just we 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 just decided we're never we're, we're not going to do that. So, uh, but anyway, so insurance is very important to find out what kind of insurance to go because some insurance companies work better at different facilities. Uh, you know, and knowing what facilities work best with those insurance is really important. Then, of course, the ability to pay out-of-pocket is very important because you know, usually it's, there's going to be an out-of-pocket cost, whether it be a deductible to be met or whether it be an out-of-network uh, cost to be met. Uh, you got you got to factor all those things in. And then, of course, if it's a longer term of care, there's going to be either transitional living or sober living. There's going to be, it's going to become private pay at some point in time. Uh, so, 
you know, you have to look at all those factors, and then you make the best recommendation based on, on those factors. But I said in an earlier uh, earlier show, I, I don't do not believe in sending somebody that's inappropriate to a place. If, if they're inappropriate, they do not be, need to be there. Uh, you know, that's that's where the integrity comes in. I'm, you know, you just don't send somebody anywhere because you know you're going to get a referral out of them later on. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, and, and this this issue of cost, I mean, it, it's really gigantic, isn't it? I mean, isn't this this just a huge uh, milestone to, to overcome? I mean, listen, we we do things like the core conference where the twelve steppers and the clinicians come together and try to get on the same side again, like in the old days. Uh, we do things uh, like the access access conference, uh, which is primarily. Uh, for the treatment professionals, uh, understanding the, uh, and I'll say this tongue in cheek, the affordable health care plan. Uh, and, and then we have uh, uh, where we're sitting down at the table. I said, Tony, I sat down with, there must have been 60 people on this, this board of directors. Uh, for an organization, and I was invited to sit in on this meeting here uh, some time back, and uh, the discussion uh, was uh, all around uh, insurance companies and and cost and, and all of that. And and one of the things that was stated over and over again, but fell on deaf ears, was we got to stop trying to, to uh, depend on the insurance companies. We got We're spending all this time talking about it, uh, on what to do, how to manipulate them, how they manipulate us. We just got to cut them loose, and and, and yeah. but people people didn't want to hear it, it mm-hmm. you know. And so so when it comes right back to, of course, is the addict and or alcoholic who, who whose life is on the line, and what is coming between them and. A, a, a life of productivity and fulfillment is the almighty dollar. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, it's sad. You know, these insurance. You know, what I see with insurance uh, is, is this: first of all, you know, substance abuse treatment or chemical dependency treatment does not have a good name with insurance companies because of the lack of lack of success. Yeah, I mean, if you look out there, I mean, the success is just not there, and they're paying for people to go to treatment multiple times, so they're getting they're getting soaked, if you will. So the treat- so what's happened here is that the insurance companies have, have you know they, they have a we've given them we got a black eye okay? yeah sure we've given them a black eye and they and they really they they, they literally do, do not like substance abuse I mean that's what I've found uh, very few of them are real good payers uh, you know they don't, they don't they don't like paying for substance abuse uh, you know the other part of it too is that the industry has picked up on on some things here that I've noticed over the years. That okay, well, if we're not going to, if it's not going to be a substance abuse issue that they'll pay for, they'll pay for this this disorder, and so they're really leaning into the disorders in order to get the days for 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 treatment. And of course, the, the insurance companies are real willing to pay for somebody who has a diagnosis other than alcoholism or drug addiction. I mean, so you know, a lot of treatment centers have found that out, and so what they do is they do all these different these different things with. Uh, you know, with clinicians and everything else to build to build a, a clinical case why that person needs to be there other than substance abuse. Now, I'm not saying that that uh, people do not you know there's not, there's not people that right. have clinical you know clinical necessities that need to be addressed, 
but it needs to be addressed at the appropriate time, not when they walk off, you know, come off the street and they're still, you know, two weeks away for a week yeah. off of heroin and they can't even put a sentence together and we're going to give them bipolar. Yeah, well, of course uh, they're depressed. Of course they're manic. They just came off of two years of putting a needle of methamphetamine in their arm. What are you, nuts? Yeah, and, you yeah. know, it, it, again... You know, going back to the benchmark approach and, and what used to be Mark Houston Recovery, and, you know, Mark saw this. And, right. you know, not to discount the, the, the clinical necessities and the clinical piece of this, but, hey, I mean, goodness, let's get these people good and sober first. You know, get them, get them nutritionally right, get them, you know, working out, you know, in the supervision of a personal trainer, get them, to, get them started on the step work. You'd be amazed what happens just there. And then, you know, within a couple of weeks, you know, three to four weeks when they would typically be walking out of a 30-day residential treatment center, then you plug, you know, the, the, the psychiatry in to see exactly how they're presenting at that point in time where they've had a little bit of distance between the drug and the streets and, 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 uh, and mm-hmm. the drugs and whatnot, you mm-hmm. know. And, and then you can start get a real true beat on what's really going on because we know the drugs and the alcohol are not the problem. That's it. That's their solution to a larger problem. Right. You got to sure. get them sober first. Yeah. You know, and 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 that, you know that's one of the things I've seen time and time again in this industry. Again, is you know people, people you know they're, they're bring they're bringing people in and they're diagnosing them with something right away, and then of course they keep them in a treatment episode by doing that. And I might just let a big cat out of the bag. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not in this business to win friends. Right, no, right. I never, was. I never have been. You know, I'm, I'm in this business. Me either, brother. To help, to help the individual get well, and that's it. You know, so yeah. you know, you know, it's not. It's not about you know uh, winning friends here. Yeah, you you bet. Uh, and let's talk about the, the the other aspect of it. And we're talking about you know uh, uh, brain function and, and mental illness and uh, 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 even uh, nutrition. Uh, you know, that's something that, that in many cases, people, especially people that are attending 12-step support meetings um, only, and I, what I mean by that is they're not working a program, they're just going to meetings. Um, one of the things, and even if they are working a program, many times the nutrition thing gets, we, we don't even touch that. And, uh, you know, Johnny is, is is eating ice cream at 9 o'clock at night, can't understand why he's got migraine headaches the next morning. Um so he's popping, you know, uh, migraine medicine instead of just knocking off the ice cream. Uh, but, you know, there's all sorts of stuff like that. And, and nutrition plays a huge part in uh, in sobriety. Oh, wow. uh, it, but there's a piece that – and this – I don't – it shouldn't be controversial, but it is. It always has been. It probably always will be. And that is the spiritual solution that is at the root of the success – of uh, the person res- being restored to sanity. You know it. I know it. Treatment centers that are worth their weight know it. Uh, the founders of, of 12-step uh, fellowships and programs, they knew it. And, and yet we dance around this issue so much, it, it makes me sick, Tony. I, 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 at the conference, uh, there was an introduction uh, uh, um you know, symposium thing, and there was a panel and so forth. And we talked about all sorts of things, and I couldn't help it. I, you know, and, and they, they know, they know, they see me coming. They they know uh, that I'm going to stir the pot. And so I just said, I said, Monty uh, Meyer from Take 12 Recovery Radio, and I could hear it. I could hear this, the, the uh, here we go. And I, 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 I said, look it. 
I said, when are we going to talk about the spiritual solution? This is called a spiritual disease. It's, it's only called the disease one time in the big book. It's called a spiritual disease. I said, if there's a spiritual disease, then we have to treat it with a spiritual solution. When are we going to stop dancing around this God issue and let's get down to brass tacks with this thing? And, and, and a, a guy in the corner who I'd never met before goes, finally, somebody said it. And then a whole bunch of people in that corner uh, uh, just started cheering. Even with that support in that corner, mm-hmm. even though I touched a nerve, do you know they went right back to their discussion as if I never said anything? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and you know, really, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, the, at, the, at the very end of the day, whether a person goes to, uh, you know, whether they go to, uh, treatment for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, or 100 years. Yeah. At the very end of the day, it's going to be about their relationship with the power group themselves. You bet. Uh, you know, it's going to be about their relationship with the support group. Uh, and, and that's the truth. I mean, that's that's really what places are, or That's you know, that's what treatment is. It's a segue into the rooms of, of an anonymous program or a support group, if you will. There's plenty of support groups out there. Uh, and of course, their relationship with something greater than themselves, and, and you know, I think it does get missed in this industry because, again, uh, you know, if, if we're highly focused in on the on the you know the mental you know, the mental side of it, yeah. which is one component, you know, um, you know, body, you know, it's part of it, right, right. So, body, spirit, and mind, and so, yeah, absolutely. But you know, and that's what I see a lot of times. I mean, there'll be a heavy emphasis. On you know the, the the mind and all this, but there's there's no emphasis on the spirituality or the uh, or the working out or anything along those lines. You know the, the physical body and and the nutritional piece of it, and mm-hmm. more importantly the spiritual angle. You know that's again that you know that's it's it's real. You know doing this for years over at Benchmark Recovery again formally formally Mark used to recovery. I mean that's really that's what we're doing. We're, yeah. doing, we're doing God's work. I mean, because the bottom line is, at the end of the day, that's what it's going to be about. So, by the time they get halfway through our process, they've had the, they've had the required spiritual experience in order to move on down the road. Right, right. They, they've had an awakened spirit. Like, I promise you, you cannot go through this work without having some type of uh, type of an awakening. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, you know, and, and it's wide open, and that's why you walk on our property, you're going to feel it immediately. People will drive off our property going, there's something different about this place. See, and that's what's so cool about it, because because you don't have to strong arm anybody uh, uh, with, with with some sort of, uh, you know, spiritual baseball bat. Uh, the fact is, if you do this work, I believe if you're if you really do it the way it was outlined to be done. You will come to a place, you will come to a crossroads at some point where you're going to have to make a spiritual decision. Mm-hmm. And, and, and whichever direction you go, that's fine. That, that's your decision. But you can't avoid that crossroad if it's done well, properly. Well, and I'll tell you what, what's really neat, too, is you know, going back to our approach at Benchmark, what's really cool is this. You know, our psychiatrist will obviously do a, you know, he'll do a, uh, you know, initial assessment with the individual. Yeah. But he won't even see the individual until they've done the fifth step of the program. Until they've sat across somebody, invited God into that picture, and done their fifth step. Because it's amazing uh, what you get right there, just that alone. I mean, you're going you're gonna to clear a lot of stuff up 
right there. Yeah. Now, is it is it the end? Is it the at the very end of? It? I mean, is that is that all that's going to be needed? No, not in a lot of cases. I mean, you know, I see a therapist weekly. You know, I mean, you know, there's people. I got I got you know deep trauma issues, and, and I'm not you know afraid to admit that. And so, you know, uh, it's just it's a beginning. But I, I, I promise you, this isn't the same individual that the doctor saw when they came in, in the door. Right. And it'd be a totally di- different individual just to d- that spiritual work, the, the early steps of a twelve-step pro- of a program. And not to mention the guys that are in their third, fourth month, you know, that have have, have completed their approach, you know, with, written their approaches out. They've even made a few amends uh, with people when they visit. Uh, you know, they've listened to fifth steps themselves. They have told their story from the podium. I mean, once you, you know, it's just a, it's a ball of energy, spiritual energy that's rolling at any given time. You know, one one of the things that that uh, well, two of the entities that get criticized the most, and we've talked about this before, uh, within many of our recovery fellowships, uh, are are the faith community and the treatment community, and and yet they're they're our biggest advocates, uh, and 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 we we chop them up and spit them out much more than they ever do us. And it, it, it drives me crazy. But here's the thing that, that I'm seeing. With organizations like Origins and Benchmark and Burning Tree and some of these, these uh, and I'm glad this is happening, um, where a lot of your modern 12-step, today's 12-step fellowships are dropping the ball with the spiritual piece of this, mm-hmm. treatment facilities like Benchmark are picking it up. Uh, because you guys know that that that's really where the solution lies, and and, and just uh, uh, you know bringing somebody in for thirty days, shooting them back out, bringing them in, shooting them back out—that ain't doing anything. Uh, and, and so uh, there are lots of uh, treatment um, organizations, facilities, long term usually uh, that are are really hitting what the true problem is. Because, like you said, you know, alcohol, narcotics, that kind of, that, those are the solutions. And they're just outward manifestations of an inward condition. Our inward condition is our separation from our Creator. Absolutely. And by the way, if you look on page 52 of the Alcoholics Anonymous book, it talks about it. I mean, if you look at the malady itself, I mean, the spiritual sickness, if you yeah. will, you know, it talks about that, having trouble in personal relationships, can't control my emotional nature, full of fear, useless, yeah. you know, all of these signs. Well, you know, if you stop and look at it, a lot of the malady, the internal condition, looks, it is, un, it's untreated alcoholism or drug addiction looks just like a disorder. Yeah, you know? and yeah. So it's like, you know, so so it's like, you know, okay, so we're going to say that, that Johnny is bipolar, he hasn't been sober more than three days, and there's a psychiatrist seeing him, and they're throwing him on these medications because he's bipolar, uh, you know, untreated alcoholism shows up as bipolar. One minute yeah. happy, one minute down, up and down, manic. You know, the whole works. And so it's like, really? And that's, the, you know, I can do a whole show on, on what I'm seeing with psychiatry. Yeah. You know, and yeah. what they're doing. <laughs> and, you know, the zombies that are coming out of that. Oh, my gosh. The Thorazine shuffle. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, the individual comes in and, and they're in for long term. Uh, there is some point where the family is involved once again, um, face to face, right? 
Absolutely. You know, there's going to be there's going to be a visitation at some point in time. Yeah. We really limited the benchmark. I mean, we really, really, really limited. I mean, they get they get a vote. Uh, you know, one on average two two while they're stay uh, during their stay for that ninety day period. And there's a reason for that. The phone limit, uh, the phone calls are limited as well. You know, we want as, as much outside distraction. Uh, we we don't want any outside distractions. We want them focused, highly focused, and on our property. Any place that allows unlimited phone contact. And visitation, I just don't see how it could possibly work. I mean, one bad yeah. phone call, it takes a week to refocus them. One bad visit, they want to leave. Uh, so we really limit the amount of, the amount of contact. But, yes, they are going to get, they're going to come face-to-face again at some point in time. Uh, and there's been a lot of work done. In, in our model, there's been a lot of work done with the family already. We know who's coming on property. We know who we have. And of course, uh, you know we we're, we're known to not even allow people you know, some some family members not to li- not to visit because it's controversial, you know. And they would they would yeah. do more harm than they would good, or they're still angry or whatever. They haven't participated and and whatnot. And maybe it's a real unhealthy relationship that uh, needs to be severed. Uh, things along those lines. So yeah, at some point in time they're going to get face to face, but they're coached up along the way. That's another thing I love about this place is that, you know, we don't we, we don't do a formal family program per se where we have, you know, the families come in and, and we do a workshop for a weekend. And, you know, we it's as good as while you're on the property. Uh, you know, everybody goes back to raising kids and doing work and doing whatever they do. And, of course, yeah. you know, they, they digress and forget what they, they want. So Benchmark Recovery Center, they're going to work. And other treatment centers do this, too. But Benchmark, this is their forte, this is, their forte is, to, is, to, is to work with these families in correlation to the treatment episode. In other words, while, while you know, the individual is in treatment, Benchmark is working with the family. I mean, they're talking to them. They're, they're giving them, uh, you know, access to, to uh, development notes online. There's a lot of different things that happen that, uh, you know, that they keep the family on board because you have to have the family completely 100% on board even during the treatment episode or when Johnny wants to leave, he's gone. So yeah. it's a lot of work. It's a whole lot of work. There's got to be a real hand, a real smooth handoff to the, to the center that you're handing off to. And then it's, of course, my responsibility is, uh, you know, whether I'm doing an intervention or whether I'm doing admissions, it's my job to stay on top of that, uh, that admission. Okay, so this is. Let me back up just for a minute. Uh, some people that are brand new new to this stuff don't understand why their loved one needs to be in, for lack of a better term, a blackout period when they come in. Um, uh, it, that that's important, isn't it? So the person stays focused and isn't hindered Absolutely. by outside yeah. junk. Yeah, you yeah. want them. You look. You you want them completely. Uh, take it away from their environment with no phone contact. I mean, there's what's there to talk about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, really, if you stop to think about it, and it's, act, it's an acclimation period. It's when, you know, I call it landing, acclimating, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is where you're landing the guy, the girl. You know, this is where you're getting settled in. I mean, it, you know, the, the least amount of outside distractions, and usually it's going to be within the first week. Cause first couple of weeks is going to be real critical because this is when they're going to want to leave. This is when they're going to want to work their families over and they're going to want to leave. So that blackout period is for, for a purpose. Again, I, you know, I, I've been to treatment centers myself where I walked in, and, of course, I had act, immediate access to a payphone or a phone. And, you know, I just continued terrorizing my family. <laughs> you know, and talking and building a case why I don't need to be doing what I'm doing. And sure. It's like, you know, everybody needs a break, you know, from this, this whole thing. It's, it's part of getting everybody out of crisis mode. Okay, Tony, is, so the person goes through, 
uh, 30, 60, 90 days have gone by. Um, at what point do do you reevaluate them to see if they need to be there longer? Well, that happens. Okay, so there's that's a great question. Okay, I, you know, benchmark. This is what we do again. That, that I'm I'm really proud of. Uh-huh. You know, and this, that is that the family's part of a larger team, and we're moving through this. We don't, you know, we don't come to people with the you know use a football analogy fourth quarter with two minutes to play and say, hey, by the way, Johnny's going to need an extra mob. Or Johnny's going to need this. I mean, the family completely understands what's going on in the whole process. So they're part of a larger team, so we're not springing any surprises on anybody. A lot of times what you'll find in long-term, Monty, that first month is it can be a wash. Uh, you know, it can be a complete wash. I mean, it, it typically, you know, you, and think about this for a second. I mean, this guy's, it takes two weeks just to get their, their equilibrium back, get them walking back, and get them to even, you know, put a sentence together in a lot of cases. And then, you know, you know, in a, in a regular state, a 30-day, 28-day stay, I mean, you've got two weeks to change a lifetime of behaviors. And, <laughs> and then still the disciplines, more importantly, that are, that are, that are necessary for permanent sobriety. It's not going to happen. So what we do is we work with, we work with the family in correlation to the, uh, to the addict. You know, and, and they're, they're on board. I mean, they know, they know exactly what's going on here. They know exactly what we're going to recommend, when we recommend it, and why we're recommending it. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, and so, uh, do, do you ever run into folks that don't want to leave because of the protective environment? Uh, not a benchmark. By the time they leave benchmark, man, I mean they 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 they're they're pretty armed, you know, and they're yeah. they're ready to go. I mean, these guys have just been through a, a serious treatment episode or a rehab episode. Yeah. So, and so they're pretty much ready to go. And because we got transitional living, you know, where they transition in, sure, ninety percent to ninety five percent of the men go to the transitional. Uh, living and on the women's side, it's probably more like eighty to eighty-five percent, maybe upwards of eighty-five percent, because some of them are moms going home or whatever. But uh, you know, it's rites of passage, and they they move that direction. They're happy to leave, of course, but uh, you know, they uh, like, they're they're fearful, like most. And uh, but but that's why you have to have that structure and that that transitional piece in place uh, for them to transition into. But uh, yeah, we get we get people from time to time. That, you know, obviously, it's a safe nest. It's a safe place to be. How many how many people on average halfway through their treatment uh, voice the opinion that they feel like they are called to be a treatment professional? Oh goodness! <laughs> I had a girl. I had a girl on a women's program. Of course, you know we have a women and men's program on separate piece of property. Yeah, uh, we had a woman one time. She hadn't been there a week, and she approached me and said, "Well, I'm opening a bunch of these up in my state, in the state that I live in." You know, and yeah. like, why, why don't we get well first? Why don't we get well first? Uh, you know, let's, let's let's concentrate on what we're doing here. Know. You know, so uh, it's very common. I mean, I, I can remember doing that myself, coming out of out of a treatment center, really, you know, looking around, going, "God, I really like to do this someday." Of course, here I am. But you know, it's very sure. common for people yeah. to do that. You know, you there's bet. a real high level. By the time you've gone through the step work. There's a real, there's a real yearning to give back. There is, and there is, you know, and, and of course, they I mean, We all understand that it's, you know, it talks about in our book. Our very lives depend on our constant thought of others and how we can be of help. Yeah, and yeah. so you know, I mean, you have that spirit in you, and it's like it's not unusual. And and by the way, you know, it's, we we make the best treatment professionals, obviously, especially in a model like ours, because we've been yeah been there and done that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I always tell people I, that that. 
that that kind of you know laugh at the person when when they say maybe it's their their third day in a, in an AA meeting or something and they're talking about being a counselor and somebody will put them down for it. I'm saying, hey, you know what? You, you may want to encourage them to get well first and all that kind of thing, but don't crush their dreams. I mean, it may be the first healthy dream the guy has had, you know, and yeah. and who knows uh, if 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 his recovery is going down the road it's supposed to be, he might make one of the greatest interventionists, one of the greatest treatment providers, you know, that the country's ever seen. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because isn't it funny how within 12-step uh, 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 support meetings, people will talk about um, how uh, it, they're not going to go to that treatment center or that facility or, or or that outpatient or whatever because those guys aren't addicts and alcoholics. But then when you, when they meet somebody who's an addict or an alcoholic that wants to be a, a treatment provider, they tell them, well, you, that's, that's funny. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, but I mean, we make the best. I mean, oh, I know. We, you know, yeah. every the the you know this the, the, the one thing again. You know, the whole team is here. Of course, is is in recovery. I mean, it just won't work if you're not, because I mean, you cannot transmit something you don't own yourself. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that's as simple simple as that. So, how can you possibly go somewhere where you know you got you got somebody that's reading out of a book on how to make this thing happen? And uh, sure. it's like, and I'm not talking about the big book either. Right, you right, know, right. Uh, they kind of, you know, just run some kind of modality out there that uh, has got, and I'm not, again, you know, if this person needs it, that's fine. But, you know, let's, let's, let's get them geared up to what's sure. important out there at the end of the day. Sure. You, uh, you bet. So. Well, well listen, Tony, we're, we we're almost out of time. Uh, how would you like to wrap this, this four-part workshop up today? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for this opportunity. This has been great, and uh, you know, just uh, I just really appreciate you giving me and you know confidence confidence in me to do this. You know, I just really impress on 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 people that are out there that it's not what it uh, it's not what it, it, it looks like as far as the intervention goes. I mean, t- TV in a lot of ways has tainted it to a point to where everybody thinks it's dramatics and it's you know, you know snot and spit flying everywhere. It's not like that whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, most of the time, matter of fact, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of tears involved. It's a very emotional event, but it's a very, it can bring a lot of people together. And so don't try to do this on your own. Uh, you know, get, get some professional help to help you out. And then, you know, of course, uh, you know, placement's going to be important too. So you want to make sure that uh, the individuals that you hire uh, know where to place this individual. There's a lot of good places out there. And Monty, you've mentioned them during this show. Uh, and you know, there's a real, there's a lot of good places out there that their hearts are in it. One hundred percent of it, and if your heart's not in it, you can forget about it. So, I just—I yeah. don't know. I just uh, thank you. If anybody needs to get a hold of me, they can certainly get a, get a hold of Benchmark, and you know, my number's up there. They can certainly get a hold of me. Uh, absolutely, and I and folks, welcome, welcome through all this stuff. You, you bet, folks. I would encourage you to do that. Uh, listen, the young lady I was talking to the other day, uh, who had listened to this show and was looking into uh, interventions for her ex. She said, I, "I'm just so afraid. Is this the right thing to do?" And I and I and I I, I tried to encourage her. I said, "Well, what's happening right now isn't working, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, you know. So you know, step out on faith a little bit, and, and because it's not going to hurt. What's going to hurt is to do nothing, 
And, exactly. Uh, and the guilt and the shame behind not doing anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, about it while you had, you know, while you were thinking about doing it. I mean, you know, there's, you know, the, and I love what you just said because I use it quite often. And that is, well, you know, what you're doing right now is not working. Uh, obviously, it's not working. We need to try a different approach. Yeah. And, uh, and we got it through it. So it's, it's, uh, it's always, uh, it, there's never a dull moment. <laughs> That's for sure. All right, uh, this wraps up uh, this four-part educational series uh, workshop, Understanding Intervention. Uh, if you want to make copies of this, you can uh, just right-click on the download MP3 link, and uh, say it'll say save target as, save link as, or save as. You can save it to your hard drive. You can burn copies of it. Uh, or you can listen to it by clicking on the uh, MP3 stream uh, play button. You can also watch the show and uh, and listen to it on YouTube and uh, I would just encourage uh, all of you to subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, or you can just subscribe to uh, our daily uh, email announcement of what show is broadcasting on what day so you don't have to go directly to the website you can just uh, open up your email and go to the show uh, there, there's just a, a, a whole lot of stuff that we have for you at take12radio.com on your internet dial, and and this very possibly uh, could could be one of the most important uh, projects we've ever done here at Take Twelve Radio because it uh, it's all about saving lives, and not just saving a life so a person can go back to what they're they've always done, but to help change lives, to help introduce people to a, a a process that will bring them into a relationship with their creator, a relationship that is oftentimes being reestablished and uh, refounded uh, with their loved ones, uh, spouses, children, parents, uh, employers, friends, uh, people that we come really close to losing uh, when we allow the tail to wag the dog and not the other way around. So we, we just want to be a help here at Take 12 Radio. You can email us at take12radio at comcast.net. Um, all the contact information for Benchmark is right here. Just click on the, the Benchmark banner uh, on this workshop and, uh, and give give Tony a call. He is an admissions uh, consultant for Benchmark been with him since the beginning. He, he, he knows what he's talking about. Tony, thank you so much, brother. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Thank a you. A a absolutely. All right, my friends. Until our next broadcast, our next workshop, whatever, our recovery music, which, by the way, plays 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is the Monty Man along with Tony and Messberger, and we are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. <laughs> This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.